第2試合はタッグマッチ30分一本勝負で行われます尾崎真由美大岡弓この2人が入場してまいりますさあ入ってきました大岡さんは尾、はいえー、崎軍に入ってどれぐらいになりますかまだ3ヶ月ぐらいですかね3ヶ月ぐらいで試合もまだ34回ぐらいだと思うおお、はい、その日あのお尻つっかえちゃった Alright K Big Egg Joshi guy Big Egg Joshi man here yes what's up what's up JD how's it going I am JD guess what、Or、we're here to do today Talk about the Dreaded Oz Academy. Oh man, it is the Joshi 2010s. It's the Patreon edition of the Red Leaf Retrocast. I know you've dreaded this day. We're talking Oz Academy. The show we're talking about is Dream Girls. How about that for a name?、Uh, it should be Nightmare Girls. Nightmare Girls? Nah, come on. It is Dream Girls from June 13th, 2010. This continues our. Journey through the 2010s as the Joshi come out of the dark ages into the current ages. And Oz Academy is on this journey. And just for this occasion, Kay, you won't believe this, but I have to start us off for all those beautiful, beautiful $1.50 tier Patreons out there. I was recommended from work to drink this Casadoras Tequila. Ras,、uh, rep osado. That's a lot of fancy words that I don't understand. Mm. Mm. Spanish is involved in that phrase. Really? Because you kind of butchered some of that, so I couldn't tell. <laughs> well, I thought it was respirados, but it's actually rep osado.、Uh, osado. Look, man.、Uh, I, see. I, 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 of, too, I, I too rep the osado. I rep the osado all day. I got a shot of tequila right here because we're talking Oz Academy. My. My favorite wrestler in the world. Perhaps you've heard of her. Mayumi Ozaki owns this sucker. <laughs> That's, it's nice for you to admit that you have bad taste. <laughs> <laughs> Shinjuku Face is the arena of death. 436 people death. allegedly at the show. <laughs> allegedly is a good word for that. <laughs> I'd say it's closer to like 300. Just a guess, though. <laughs> There might be some inflation involved、uh, during this era of Joshi wrestling. <laughs> oh, you don't say. I, listen, they were tightly packed, but boy, when it came to the crowd, you could see some empty chairs. So, welcome. I'll say this once again. Welcome to the Red Leaf Retrocast Patreon page. I thank everybody that has helped contribute to our tape trading and our acquiring of these DVDs and the whatnots of this era. So much is lost. There will be a couple of these matches that will be uploaded to the Daily Motion page.、Uh, hopefully, that stays up for quite some time. Red Leaf Retrocast Daily Motion, so you can join us along on this journey and the conservation of women's wrestling history. So, there is some importance here, especially in context that Oz Academy was very different compared to the rest of the scene. Especially during the era that it's in. Coming out of the JD Star, the idol wrestlers, as we spoke about,、uh, is a thing, and it's becoming more and more commonplace and acceptable. You, Kay, say it's already been accepted. I disagree that it's not totally accepted quite yet at this current、uh, form in time. I would say, I wouldn't say the word accepted. 
is is what I would rephrase that if I had to take that back. It's being widely adopted at this point in time. We see it in a lot of the wrestlers that are wrestling in the scene. You see it on the Io Shirai, Mio Shirai's, right? We right. see it um on Don Kurahara even to an extent, right? We're seeing people adapt a bit of a a, a little bit of a flashier look, right? Maybe not a pure idol look, but definitely more flashy than old guard. You see what they're wearing. They're kind of wearing throwbacks or closest things close to what would be good in their eras. It's funny how you can tell what era a person was trained in, uh, right. promotion they come from, by what they look like. You know, you you when we watch Catch the Wave 2010, highly recommend episode if you want to catch the free version. Obviously, it's on Big Egg Joshi Podcast. If you want to catch these episodes two weeks early, head on over to Redleaf Retrocast Patreon and help contribute to this. Very much uh, right. recommended. Uh, when we're going over AJW, you're going over JWP, and soon, hopefully, uh, depending on how fast I get through my Starcade stuff, LLPW, the costumes and presentation in JWP is very different compared to the traditional AJW type stuff. And soon enough, in 1990, we start seeing a little transition in AJW. Right, actually, we're seeing it, and as we go through the classics, we're seeing it with uh, low v-necked um, leotards, right? Very kind of trying to show off some of the assets that they weren't trying to show off beforehand. Maybe they did here and there with certain wrestlers, but it wasn't a uniformal thing, and it wasn't so blatantly trying to show off the figure. With JWP, where I'm at, and uh, over at the Big Egg Joshi podcast, you could follow me as I'm going through 1990 right now, beginning of 1990, the looks are split. And I remember you watching a few episodes with me. It's like, you see some of the more idolish or more flashy is what I would probably use because they're not really idols looks just yet, but they're more flashy looking, right? To the single leotards. But then we're also seeing the single leotards. And as you look through the, who branches off and who goes where between the uh, JWP split, become JWP proper and uh, LLPW, you see the, the ones that wore the more traditional looks end up going with LLPW, whereas the ones that kind of didn't were kind of deviating a little bit from that formula stayed with JWP. The reason why we bring this up is because of the promotions we've discussed so far on this journey. JWP, Ice Ribbon, <laughs> who's in a different league altogether. A universe. Oh, yeah. Neo, just to name a few. Now we've reached Oz Academy, and this promotion is definitely way different compared to all the others. And if you've listened to a lot of the wrestlers we've talked about and kind of getting a little a little peeved, especially in the Wave episode, with the, how the old guard uh, books, the lack of ambition towards growing uh, not just their company, but the industry as a whole, Oz Academy has the legends because you might be wondering where are these legends and the old guard hanging out well we found the promotion <laughs> well that's always been Oz Academy sort of draw really is that the legends in it's I get frustrated with Ozaki and her not putting people over but then I have to understand her promotion isn't centered around rookies they have no rookies they, she, Ozaki's trained people she has, right? Oz Academy isn't just a name. Like, it was at one point a training school and a promotion, briefly. It's no longer a training academy. I think that's 
long since discarded. Like maybe maybe five, six, seven years ago it was discarded, right? But there is no rookies. There are only storylines involving Sekigun to the home army and Ajakong's factions. At this point, I think they're called Jungle Jack, or at least that's what we're getting because the commentary. Commentary was constantly referring to Jungle Jack on the show in reference to Ajakong and the people around her. And I find it interesting, the comment you made just a second ago. Oz Academy, straight away from developing talent five, six years ago, or at least just stopped altogether. And when we get through a lot of these other promotions, it kind of is a testament to where Oz Academy is in this current time and why. Because in in 2010, what we saw here, I'm going to say it, it was a good show and very entertaining and filled with storylines, intriguing character work, and good matches. Right, something that in modern times have sort of slipped away because they think they've run out of the stories to tell and the people. Because I said it when we watched this, show, I was like, man, these stories are actually pretty interesting. And then it clicked. Yeah, modern Oz Academy, the stories have only just been Sekigun runs shit, uh, and once a year, Aj Kong does something to stop them. And that's been the story almost every year for the past, I'd say, three years. You get smaller ones here and there with some wrestlers rising up, but those always those stories always fizzle out and don't go anywhere. Yoshiko had one, right, that fizzled out and she hasn't showed up for a while. We have one right now with Kaho and them, and that's gonna fizzle out. It always seems to fizzle out and not go anywhere. With this one, we we see some kind of sense of progression. Even if we're jumping in the middle of a story, we get sort of what's going on and the progression of the stories. I'll give you a good good example of what this reminded me of. Over the past half decade, I've been a big fan of WXW in Germany. Okay? I... Not a Joshi promotion by any means. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. However, they developed a lot of their own talent and built their own fan base up and their own talent up with a lot of unknowns and a mixture of home talent and freelancers. WXW started their own train, training academy, uh, basically the only one in Germany, the only one in Central Europe. Because they know the lifeblood to keep their company running and relevant was to develop talent. Okay? Right. Once they, and every single year, they'd inevitably lose one or two main eventers that they had developed to bigger and better things. Namely, in that case, WWE. Okay? Right. So they had to develop talent to replace the main eventer. What we've seen in Oz Academy, instead of losing talent to bigger and better promotions, they just retire. They stop working there. Right. (laughs) They stop working there. They retire. They're gone. And their solution, over time, as we'll see, is replace them with a freelancer. A younger freelancer that inevitably might get a story here or there. Might get a little push. You know, Sheeta is a great example I like to point to. But what ends up happening? She leaves. Moves on to bigger and better things. Or in some cases, they retire. Or get injured or what have you. And you never see from, see from them again. And the replacement of those people becomes harder and harder over time. Unless you're developing talent. If you can pump out the talent as much as you're losing them, then you will be sustainable, but you won't grow. 
You're just constantly in replacement mode. And we've reached a point in Oz Academy where they've lost the talent, they can't replace them anymore, and now they're in a decline to the point where, even today, they barely run a show a month. Right? Right. I'll, I'll say this. I, I think you hit some points there pretty, pretty on the head with the replacing the talent with the younger freelancers. I think the talent they're replacing are the old guard that they were so reliant. Because we're, we're seeing here in 2010, is these old guard people? Well, where else are they going to go work? I mean, they might work here and there at Wave or Neo. They're always going to come back to Oz Academy. So you have them, you have that security of them always coming back. Right. You don't have that anymore. Because, good example, Yoshiko. Yoshiko at one point was involved in a very big storyline in Oz Academy. And she hasn't really shown up there very much since that storyline stopped. Another example I like to use is Ano and uh, Maya, right? Ano showed up on m most Oz Academy shows, but Maya doesn't show up on everything. And right now she has a story going online going on with her. If she just stopped showing up in Oz Academy altogether, what was the point of the story? Now there's no progression. You can't go past, you can't add to the story. You can't branch from the story. It's gone. And I think Oz Academy has, um, every year they've run one big show at Yokohama Bunsai. There was a lot of debate last year's on whether the number that they put on was actually legitimate. Because the number they put on break, broke regulations like twice over almost mm -hmm. at the time. Because they ran theirs two weeks after Ice Ribbons. And Ice Ribbons was just bumping up against that thousand-person number. Right. And then Oz, Oz Academy has like a thousand-something. And it's like you question, well, first off, nobody would be allowed to sell that many tickets. You'd get in trouble. Second off, it, from what I gather, um, Japan has had fire marshals or at least somebody there to monitor attendance at every venue, especially at that point when it was the height of the virus. So there'd be no way to break that. So it's, it's it almost came off like because that was their last show ever in that arena before it closed. They felt the need to fudge a number to become higher than the last show's promotion to run it. Ice ribbon, of course. It, it it feels like Oz Academy. It feels like Ozaki realizes her promotion is becoming less and less relevant over time because she doesn't have anybody. And then the people she does have, like Hiroyo Matsumoto and stuff, it fizzled out. Like they're they're involved in storylines, but they're not credible in the scene anymore. Right, and we've spoken about Hiroyo, and the more the more we're gonna see of her, the more we're gonna realize she should have been a bigger star than what she was. And there will be times in the in the early 2010s where we'll be praising Oz Academy, like this show. I have a lot of praise for the show. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was good. But I'm looking at this card, and I'm looking at some names, and boy, some of these people, a lot of these people are retired. A lot of people are retired, and who on the show is a star five years from now, right? Uh, nobody. No, not a one person, which is incredible. So let's get into this card here, Kay. And uh, do I take my shot of tequila, or do I save it for the second match? Surprised you weren't taking shots before we started recording. Oh, I mean, I, w I you know what? I was going to get going, but then we got caught up in a good historical context lesson of the Joshi women's wrestling scene. You know what? I'm going to save it for my favorite wrestler. How about that? Uh, you do that. <laughs> Tomoka Nakagawa versus Hiren. Eight minutes, 52 seconds. A rookie versus a Sekigun member. Ozaki-gun. How are we going to refer to this group in Oz Academy? So in Oz Academy, it is called Sekigun because Sekigun means home army. 
And Oz Academy is Ozaki's promotion, so they're the home army. There you go. That's the term. I had to have that explained to me because Oz Academy has muddied that term so much for me that I had to find out when I was watching um, JWP what a Sekigun was. <laughs> because currently in JWP, right. there's there's two groups. There's the Sekigun and then there's Gurantai. I'm like, wait, wait. Sekigun, that's, that's Ozaki's promo- uh, group. Why is she in Gurantai? And I had to ask somebody. Like, no, 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 Sekigun means home army. So that that's why Stardom back in the day when Queen's Quest became a thing and uh, Oyotai was a thing, it wasn't called Stars. It was just called Stardom Army or Stardom Sekigun. Gotcha. That's what that means. Uh, so it would be Sekigun. It wouldn't be uh, Ozaki Goon. I guess both words are kind of interchangeable, but I prefer them as Sekigun since it's the home army. So what do you think of Hiran in this match? Because she is the most notable person in there. She's not the rookie, and she is part of Ozaki Goon. Well, there's three things I noticed about her. One, she's okay. A little rough in places. <laughs> Two, she has a tramp stamp. Very visible tramp stamp. And I was like, oh, hey, she has a tramp stamp. A very noticeable tramp stamp. Uh, and the third one is uh, she's kind of hot. Not gonna lie. Definitely my type. <laughs> I like I like how that's how you ended. That's pretty that's pretty good. Yeah, I mean I, I don't disagree with any of that. It was very just okay. It's here in beating up a rookie. It's you know, Ozaki Goon uh walk and brawl outside eventually at all times. And they keep it in the ring uh eventually, and Hirin actually loses this match, which I thought was a little bit right. surprising. I thought it was a bit shocker too. I didn't expect that, but I guess this was supposed to further some storyline. I guess we'll see more of it later. It seemed like it was a storyline loss, not a loss loss. There is yes, there is a quite a few storylines here on uh on the show. So our second match, Mayumi Ozaki and Yumi Oka, that is the tag team. Yumi Oka from Wave Academy, who uh, did not win Wave Catch Academy? the Wave. She failed like a... to the Mighty Gammy. You called it Wave Academy. <laughs> Wave Academy. Well, am I wrong? <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 it's Wave. Look, I know, Wave I, I know I've had a couple funny. drinks before the podcast, but maybe it's a maybe it's a, a tick on purpose. I, I don't know. I can't confirm nor deny. Yumioka and Ozaki Academy. with Wave Academy defeating Chiako Nagashima and other rookie now Kamatsu, 15 minutes and 39 seconds. K, I thought this match was actually pretty good. And when uh, Ozaki and Oka came out to their, like, death metal music, wearing nothing but what appears to be lingerie, as is the style of Ozaki-goon, Seki-goon, and then Chiako Nagashima comes out in her streamer outfit, and then now Kamatsu comes out, and you're like, well, there's a rookie, oh. and she about to die. It's like she comes up, go whoop! I know who's eating the pin in this match. You immediately she know. Most, she has the most basic rookie kind of look to her. She has a leotard looking thing going on. It's like, oh well, we know who's eating the pin in this one. All right, let me throw half this shot down right here out of my uh, number one team in basketball, Utah Jazz shot glass. So here we go. Uh well, while while you do that, mm. I'm just going to say, uh, they had Blizzard Yuki. Uh, accompanying them found that out and that was a thing and, uh blizzard yuki apparently retired or no she did she retired and apparently became a manager a uh, slash consultant of some kind it said i know we got she was the manager of, of uh seki goon i think she was a consultant 
outside of wrestling? Mika Nishio is her name. She is uh, quite attractive, wearing also the basic lingerie type outfit. Uh, She was hot. Oh, yeah. She is, in, she is from uh, a certain promotion you are familiar with, Kay. Uh, yes, yes, yes. AWP. And also JD Star, where she'd start to uh, hang out in later. Yes, yes, yes. But she's originally uh, part of the JWP slash LLPW kind of crew of things. But she did show up a lot in JD Star uh, under a mask. I don't know yes. if she was under a mask in JD Star, but I know she was under a mask as Blizzard Yuki was the name she went by. And uh, man... Why did she put a mask on that? Why you gotta hide that? Jesus Christ, woman. Maybe she was just trying to hide how hot she was so that, you know, she didn't distract the fans from her awesome <laughs> wrestling moves. Because she was pretty good. I mean, you want to talk about a dichotomy of characters and looks. Oz Academy is it. You are either a hot, lingerie-wearing, BDSM-type chick in Sekigun, or you were the bishy boy baby face. <laughs> or you're just wearing ragtag t-shirts over your gear and you're part of Aja Kong's group. Well, yeah, the, the Beast Friends, the 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 uh, uh, Jungle Jack group. Yeah, okay, so there's three. There's three. There's always I, been like three correct. factions. There's been Beast Friends, uh, Mission MK4, which is the Akino's bishy boy group. I don't think there were MK4 at this point. I don't think that was even no, 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 yet. no. I, d- I didn't. Uh, I didn't catch any of that. So if you guessed it, the entire match was around Ozaki and Oka destroying this rookie. Uh, a hot tag to Chiako Nagashima. She would run wild, get stuffed. She'd sell for a little bit. Tag in now Kamatsu, and you're like, oh no, don't do that. That's a mistake. That rookie will lose, and it inevitably happens. I still thought it was a fun match. You know what? I think it worked. It did good. It did what it was supposed to do. I think the best part was, was Chikako did not tag the rookie in. Uh, now tagged herself in. Right, yes. Chikako. Downfall was that she tagged, she, as Chikako, Chikako was stumbling towards the corner, she tagged herself in. You know, we've made died. this mistake with her name numerous times. It's Chikayo. Chikayo, Chikako. It's a, listen... She's a Gaia flunky. She never went anywhere. A Gaia flunky. Oh, man, that's harsh. I mean, that's kind of what I refer to most of the Gaia's first rookie class, because your name's not Mako Sadamura, and no one remembers who you are. Well, I mean, if you want to be harsh like that, you can. <laughs> I mean, it's just facts. I mean, you didn't know she was from Gaia until I told you, right? That's beside that's the point, okay? That's, that's, that's a lot of people. Listen, I've told a lot of people she's from Gaia. Like, she's from Gaia? Yeah, yeah, because she shows, she shows up in Marvelous all the time. I was like, yeah, she's from Gaia. Really? Yeah, I thought she was AJW. No, no, she's Gaia. No, no. Did, did she do anything with her career? No. <laughs> it's crazy how many people in this promotion are 15 plus years experienced at this point. Ozaki is in her 40s. Oka's in her early 30s, so she's she's still developing to prime of her career at this point. You got a rookie, and then you got Chikayo. So. Chikayo Oz- is like, I think in her... Upper 30s, early oh, yeah. 40s. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you, you know this promotion uh, needs to push young stars up the card or they will fizzle out and draw less and less and become... Anyways, we, we've told that story. Ozaki's why do got... that? Put the legends on top. No, why, why do that? Ozaki's got quite the look. 
like Ozaki in the undercard in tags is the perfect place for her. This is this is why it was great and it made the rest of the cards so so much better. Tell her that. Well, <laughs> that's the best place for her in undercard tags. Can tell look, her man. that with her, with her almost two year title reign. Just because she's the queen of the mountain in twenty twenty one, we're not going to ignore what what we saw in twenty ten. How long she had that? She has that house schedule for seven or so what days over two years. Why are you worried about years? it? Defenses. Oh, Don't boy. worry about it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> So yeah, Oka, top of wave, undercard in Oz Academy kind of speaks to where she's at. Because she's an interesting case as we'll go on. She's She should be near the top it, as much as I criticized the Mighty Gammy. Like, I would totally understand Yumi Oka being pushed at the top. She's in her early 30s. She's marketable. She's pretty. She has a decent enough offense. She can put on a good match. Why aren't they pushing her in Oz Academy don't you at this worry point about in time? That, that, well, Oz Academy, she'll get up the car with the rest of Sekigun. But in Wave, don't you worry about that. We're on the precipice of that. Don't worry about it. Well, I'm not going to worry about her in Wave. I'm wondering why other promotions are taking advantage of a young, popular, well, potentially popular 30-year-old. Because you see that last part there is the key. She's not very popular. I think at this point, she's got it. She's on the average scale, I think, of popular. So it's really hard to gauge popularity at this point. Well, in, yes. In I Joshi. mean, it's very, it's very small attendance. There, There's a lot there, but we keep Nobody saying really the, life, the, the lifeblood of expanding and growing are young stars. And looking on this card, she's a young star along with maybe four four others <laughs> so from my knowledge i think she's always ever just been a member of sekigun and not really a top member of sekigun well i want to just been one of she's just been one of the group she's not uh ozaki I, I don't know if it's still colds for this point in time but i know since maya joined the group she's just kind of been there really mm -hmm. kind of her role is just well, maya is in the old oka position she is yeah. uh more talented moves. but <laughs> Lateral moves. Lateral moves. All right. As, as for Oka, it's like, you said she's in her 30s, right? Mm-hmm. Problem here is, is uh, she's going to get that in wave. Oz Academy is the weird, the weird thing because really nobody is a top star outside of Aja and Ozaki. Like, nobody else is ever positioned. Maybe Akino later, I think. But, like, no one's ever positioned as, like, the be-all star, the top number one or two. Everyone else just kind of exists at certain points in the card and kind of get elevated and de-elevated as they need, or as the story progresses, especially Sekigun. Sekigun's a big for that. We'll get to someone in the main event who is definitely a star, but not presented as one. Uh, yeah, right. All right. So Ozaki's fucking rocking out with like a crazy, I don't want to call it a chicken mullet, but it certainly comes off as one. It's like red and poofed up. It's got a big perm. It's awesome. It's straight up 80s heavy metal rocker. She looks the least attractive of the rest of Sekigun. Oh, She's wearing no the doubt. lingerie stuff, but she is looking like, oh, it's like, oh man, you're like a grandma trying too hard. Well, she's 40. <laughs> and she's trying to relive the 80s and it ain't working. I'm sorry. 
I thought she was good. She was mobile. Her and Oka made a good team. Uh, Chikayo made a great babyface comeback. And the rookie, inevitably, you know, she lost. It's all right. Yeah, I mean, this was expected, right? The rookie wasn't... With the rookie on the other team, I mean, did you really think Chikayo was going to hold on her own? Hell no. Not with police running in and the rest of Sekigun running in. Oh, God, police. The special friend of Ozaki. (laughs) Her special friend. Dude. This guy. Trio's match is your middle match, your third of five. Akino, Hiroyo Matsumoto, and Ron Yuyu. I'll get to her in a second. They defeat the team of Ayumi Kurihara. My girl is everywhere, Kay. She is in every promotion. She is... Her and Yuyu. Her and Yuyu are all over the place. Ayumi's teaming with Dynamite Kansai, who does not look like the Dynamite Kansai I'm familiar with in the JWP days of the early 90s. And Sonoko Kato, 18 minutes, 55 seconds. This match was phenomenal. I adored this match. Uh, Kansai is just an excellent powerhouse. Kurihara has a lot of fanfare. You can tell by the way this crowd reacts to her. She is wearing Christmas gear along with, uh, I believe it's uh, Kato. It's like red and green and and frills and... The, yep, the crowd yep, just right. really connects with her. She was at times the star of the match, but it was truly, truly about Kansai and Akino. The two veterans. Yeah, go figure. Two legends. Oh, one's a legend. Other is Akino. I, I, I listen, I don't know what the big deal with Akino is. I can't recall anything that she's done major off the top of my head. She is the Bishi Boy one with the big old blue coat and fur all over it. Um, Royo and Ranyu, you clearly were part of uh, Aja Kong's group to start getting the Jungle Jack references, which was confusing me because Jungle Jack is the <laughs> team of uh, Aja Kong and Bison Kimura. That's the name of the tag team. And I'm like, the fuck are they mentioned in Jungle Jack for? Where's Bison? Is Bison in the match? Is Bison at ringside? <laughs> I was so confused. I'm I guess sure we put together that now. might be the name of the group. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, I'll say this though, Ran Yu Yu looked rough. Yeah, every time I like look at cards from the era and like who keeps showing up everywhere, Kurihara's one, and fuck, just on this journey, she is in just about every promotion we've covered in every card. She is a wrestling machine. Ron Yu Yu showed up in tag matches everywhere. Not in the same volume of sense, but in I guess in terms of importance and mark, uh, this is our first exposure to Ron Yuyu on this 2010s journey, and she looks like she has a legit back injury. She is slow. Oh, yeah. She is constantly holding it. She, you can you can basically tell she's she, she she's even got that facial expression to her that just tells you she's in pain, but she doesn't want to totally tell you. Right, it's very noticeable that she was because I've seen one other Ran Yu Yu match and she looked a lot better than this. And I think it was in 2010 as well. So it's definitely like she has some kind of back injury. You could tell with how, like you said, how she was moving, how she was doing moves, how she was taking moves, and sort of the facial expressions, like you said, like she looked really, really rough. And I kind of was like, man, I don't have to wrestle. But then again, I have to remember this is how she makes her living, and chances are. The convenience store job she's probably also got on the side probably isn't helping her either. <laughs> convenience store job. 
all, let's see, all these wrestlers, uh, I can't say all of them, but a lot of them had secondary jobs to make you know, make buy. Right. Some wrestlers even still have that these days. Some of the ice cream wrestlers apparently have second jobs. So, it's definitely it. a thing. It's definitely a thing. Oh, yeah. Especially back then when wrestling wasn't gonna, it wasn't gonna get you by on living on it. Especially how inconsistent the pay probably was. Like, you get your flat rate for showing on the show, right? That's not a lot to live off of. It's the merchandise. People don't buy merch all that much at this point, so. Your DVDs took off so damn much because people bought those. That's why I think Oka does one. Um, She's the only one on this card that does one. I can't remember. I haven't looked at enough of these things to know that, so. (laughs) But I do do know Yumioka does some kind of gravier shoot or video. Oh, with the lingerie type type gear that she wears, understandable. Yeah, I mean, did you know Manami Toyo did one when she retired. She didn't do one. I don't think her entire career, or she didn't do like a gravier like shoot her entire <laughs> career, and then she retires and just full on topless shoot. Hell I was like, yeah, Get, yeah, go out. <laughs> <laughs> so Kansai, we have to talk about Kansai's get up here. So she comes out wearing like disco balls on her shoulders and some sort of evil villain get up straight out of Doctor Who from the 80s. It is quite the sight. She's got kind of flat, greased up black hair. This is not the Kansai I'm familiar with. No, no, no. So the thing with Kansai, uh, the jackets have always been a thing with her. Like if you look at, <laughs> look, look at the 80s and I'm sorry, the 90s and she has like weird power suits and stuff. Like it's, it's kind of, I think it's her shtick. As for the look, she goes through quite a few metamorphoses about her career. Like, after she leaves JWP proper and starts working elsewhere, especially in the 2000s, her look changes a lot. She goes from spiked up, gelled, curled hair to uh, what we're seeing here, where which I dubbed emo hair. Emo hair, Kansai. Emo hair, yeah. She's moved on from pompadour to emo hair. And she went from pompadour to spiked blonde to sort of like a, a bit of a gelled back kind of hair kind of like hota you know uh, it kind of makes sense she's she's always she seems to always gravitate towards the what the young men popular hairdo is of the time (laughs) uh yeah i guess in 2010s but this hairdo i think is more like early 2000s japan where it's gelled and kind of emo looking but then again frosted tips brah but that's here in the States. We're talking about Japan <laughs> foot fashion. Oh, listen, I'm watching JD Star. I'm seeing these commercials with guys that with fucking gelled spiked hair. So Yeah, and that's like, early and, 2000s. And, and, what is she? What did you the, just describe? The emo, quaff, <laughs> the, the emo quaffed hair as well. I'm, I'm seeing these fucking anime looking hairdos. And tell me, look at her hair. She does not look like she, she looks like an anime character, like an anime protagonist. It's, her look changes so much to where, like, if you get a picture of her now, she looks much closer to her older look, with the blonde <laughs> spiked hair. But man, Kazai goes through a look change. She... To the point where you don't even recognize her half the time. Her yeah. gear changes a lot too. Her oh, gear yeah. looks like nothing like her old gear at all. So I think the two best people in this match were Kurihara and Kansai. They ran the shit, and then you had Akino kind of playing. She was kind of playing general. Just kind of getting getting her team in and out where possible, uh, switching in and out. And Kurihara and Kansai were meant to look the strongest. Unfortunately for Kurihara, I believe she ate the pin here. I she uh she did. Oh, yeah. I, I did you notice Roy Matsumoto look lost all times? the time. All the time. 
she looked she looked quite lost at times. There was a spot when they were supposed to go to the turnbuckle, and she just stopped for a second. And I think Akino had to say something to her because she was supposed to go to the turnbuckle with them, and she just I don't know if she just froze and didn't know where she was supposed to go, or she blanked, or, or what have you. But there was a few moments where she was out of place. I was probably supposed to be somewhere and break up a pin, and just doesn't like. Man, Hiroyo did not look good. She looked off, very off in this match. If I was to put two people on top in this promotion, uh, building them up to challenge at the top, or at least in big tag title situations, it would be Yumi Oka and Kurihara. Oka, part of the heel group, the young star on the rise. 30, I know, but compared to the rest of the promotion, you get what I mean. And Kurihara, right. obviously. Uh I, I just think, but they had stories to tell, and the stories continued in the next match, which was, I think, a phenomenally told story. It is Kaoru against Takako Inoue. Nine minutes. With Taser Chan. With Taser Takako in the house. Taser Takako. Listen, this match was good. I You doubted me. When I was telling I, you the story of this match, I saw it in real time, Kay. I was like, look, Seki Goon is running wild. Look, let's let's start at the beginning of this match. Inoue comes out with Taser. She's click, 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 clicking around to the crowd. Ah, I'm gonna beat this broad. And it cuts to the it cuts to the uh entrance apron area. And there's Sekigun with a bloody Kaoru. All parading her. Ah, we got her in the back, boys. We're parading her to the ring. They put a chain around her neck, make her fall down the stairs. That looked rough. And they throw her in the ring. Yeah, that looked legit. And, it w- and the ref just goes, you all right? All right. Ring the bell. <laughs> yeah, you're still breathing? All right, cool. Ring the bell. Good enough for me. Ring that bell. It's Oz Academy. It's on. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> so Kaoru is a bloody mess. She's wearing the crimson mask, and the story begins. The big baby face against the massive heel group. Odds are against her, and she's got to fight back. And from start to finish, that's exactly what it was. Sekigun would interfere. Police would interfere. One by one, she'd thwart them and fight back and got all the way to the finish after nine minutes. She even hits like five straight Michinoku drivers, which was sick. And it still ended because of interference. She had to get a quick roll-up pin and the big shit-eating grin on Kaoru's face began. She gets the mic after the match and she wants that title. Sekigun is beside themselves. Even Ozaki gets in the ring and she's like, I will not give you this title shot. You need to beat someone more important. You aren't good enough. And Kaoru leaves, and that accomplished so much, it really got me into it. You can only tell this story so many times with the same group, and that's kind of where Oz Academy falters in later years, but in this instance in 2010, in our little vacuum since it's the beginning of the baseline, this was fantastic. All right, well, why this fails now? Is it just because it's been done so many times? Because if you can do it so many times, if the challenger is believable, right? Right. Problem is, is you can believe Kaoru can challenge for it and win it, right? But you can't believe Ano can do it because of how the promotion's booked around. It's like, oh, she's young. She'll never win it. 
Right. And so they're doing. They're, they're not doing. They can't do it with the old stars who you can believably think could win. They did it with the younger stars who you know for a fact aren't going to win, and that's the problem. Right, and that's where that's where knowing too much of the politics really hurts you as a fan. Where in 2010, Kaoru is a big veteran. She has say. She has respect, and she can say no. That's the big thing. She right. can well, say think... no. So compare right. that today to to today. It's either you eat it and suck it up, or you don't work here anymore. Right. And then you get also in trouble with the rest of the scene because Ozaki has connections. Right. Oh, you didn't listen to Ozaki-san? Oh, well, we don't want to book you then. That happens. That still happens now. It doesn't happen the bigger promotions like TJPW and Ice Ribbon. Well, and that's Stardom, why they're in their own things. The problem, they don't have to happens. worry about that. Right, right. So, I mean, the only thing that affects Ice Ribbon is if you do something shitty like uh, Rico, whatever the fuck her name is, Kawabata from Actress Girl, the broker contract, and you notice how she hasn't shown up on Ice Ribbon since, right? Right. Because they don't know if you're going to break your contract with somebody. We can't trust that you won't do that with us. Right. right. You could so no show that. at any moment kind of situation. Right. So with you mentioned the, knowing the politics nowadays hurts this promotion. I'd argue against that. I don't think you even need to know the politics to kind of get that the younger stars never win. It's a pattern. You see the pattern enough and you just kind of already figured, yeah, they're not going to win. But if they win, right, you're, it's like so hard to get you invested to buy the potential of them winning that you, know, you don't buy that any of them win. Unless they actually start having that pattern reverse, what's the point? Can build up Otto all you fucking want. You can build up Maya all you want, Kaho all you want. We all know the same outcome because it's been the same outcome every single time. It's the same pattern. It's when you repeat the same pattern over and over again, you lose the surprise. You can't buy into it. With Kaoru, you can buy into it because we've seen old veterans win the belt before. Even at this point, right? Even now, if they did the same story now, but instead of Kaoru, uh, let's just say Oka again, right? Just say Oka, right? You could buy that Oka could beat Ozaki for the belt. Because she's the one of the old veterans, and so you know that there's a higher chance of her winning. Kaho does it. She's not winning. No. Me. That's the problem with Oz Academy. Is that story's been told so many times, and now because they have to rely on younger people, you can't buy into it because they've conditioned you to believe that younger people can never win. But their promotion's going to die. They're not adapting, and they don't look like they're ever wanting to adapt. So it's just going to fizzle out. No, you gotta so. you gotta live in the time, and in this time they still have that lifeline. And it, right, and in, it's becoming less case, and less believable. On this show, it was very much a success. Crowd bought it. I was into it. You were into it. You doubted me, Kay. Listen, I've been conditioned to believe second doing <laughs> bullshit always goes one way. You doubted All right. me. All right, I'm looking at this promotion 2010 Oz Academy with 2021 Oz Academy eyeballs. You fool! So like, fool oh my god, I second you involved. Oh, she's a veteran. She'll still probably lose. We've seen this before. Oz Academy. The was at this point, the stories were better. <laughs> Tag team title match is your main event. Your champions, Manami Toyota. Maybe you've heard of her. My wife. My wife. With tag team partner and current openweight champion, Carlos Amano, taking on the team of Aja Kong and Kaoru Ito. Dear God. Oh, one of these things is a good wrestler. One of these people is barely mobile. Let you guess on who, which one's what. 
All right, so let's get the positives out of the way here. Aja Kong still moving around. We've seen her before in 2010. She is still a beast machine, even at 40 years old. Uh, main event, she is an excellent case of uh, the age is okay because you can still go. And you still have a lot of respect. Manami Toyota, very much the same way. She's not crash and burn as much as she used to be. But oh, she's, no, 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 no. <laughs> but she has made that up in bulk. Uh, you can tell on her legs alone uh, in, in just how she uses, utilizes a lot more suplexes and kind of deal at this point in time. And then there's Carlos Amano. She is a brick shithouse. She has a, like, kickboxing shoot style to her. She's got just brick thighs and calves that are so smooth and strong, and she she has the uh, the footless gimmick going on because of her shoot style. Excuse me. Hit my mic. Carlos Amano's a beast. Where well, she's she, really good. Oh, yeah. She is excellent. She moves well in the ring. She has a very dynamic style. She's extremely different from everyone else. There is a reason why they put the big title on her. The problem is she was the fourth person in this match. Right. So uh, to go on the Manami one, um, she's not doing Crash and Burn style because she is much, much older now. <laughs> you don't say. So her Crash and Burn days, well, granted, also when you look at later in her career, like just go through the mid-90s, a little bit less Crash and Burn. There was some of it there, but she had refined her style, a little less wild, right? Now at this point in her career, uh, she's not jumping to the outside all that much. Crazy. She got to think about her knees and her back and her head and her neck and everything. <laughs> Dude, she's got motorcycles to ride. What does she need to do that for? (laughs) Oh, she's doing that happily these days in retirement. I'm so happy for her. Cats and motorcycles. Just go through her Twitter accounts. Great. It's wholesome. (laughs) Wholesome. But um, I I, I liked... Amato was great. And her and Manami have been a tag team on and off for quite a while. And Gaia, they were a tag team. And Mm Oz Academy, too, it looks like, too. I really never thought big of Carlos Amato. I always knew she was good. Jesus, she showed something else in this match because I've never watched Carlos Amano past the 90s. I've never seen a match of hers past the 90s. This is the first time seeing anything past the 90s with her, and she's way better than she used to be, or at least it seems like that, right? Super, super good. Definitely the reason why they put the belt on her. Definitely probably the biggest star in the match. Funny Easy. enough, according to Cage Match, she was trained by Ozaki, of all people. I don't entirely buy that. <laughs> Looking at where she starts in her career. I don't totally buy it, but that's, I mean, that's, that's what cage match says. Who are we to disagree with the cage match? I mean, she debuted in 95. Ozaki definitely wasn't trading people at 95. Yeah. So believe it or not, she is only 44 at this current time today. Yeah. She had to retire over some very sad circumstances. Uh, Spinal injury. No. What it was. A bad brainstem. Right. I think originally it was cited as a spinal injury. So but you're uh, right. It's I, a bad brainstem. I just, I just had it up. Uh, her original injury that put her down was due to uh, a knee injury. A knee right. injury. And then when she went... Uh, to get her knee examined, she was complaining of headaches, and upon further tests, 
Uh, she was informed by her doctor and advice to retire due to damage to her brain stem, which is a pretty uh, ridiculous injury. And right. I was not familiar with Carlos Samano too much before this match. Heard her name, seen her name, first match with her. And after reading that and seeing this match, it all kind of made sense. This woman did headbutt style and shoot headbutt style a lot. Yeah, that was like a lot of her offense. I will say this with Amano's injury. My only knowledge of it before what you just told me was she had said at one point uh, on a blog post I was able to find, right, that she woke up one morning and she couldn't move. Yes, that was the same article I was reading there. Right, she couldn't. She couldn't move, and I think she just thought if she went back to sleep. She'd get back to moving because I guess it, it. It seemed like it the way she had phrased it. It happened before, so I guess she chalked up a sleep paralysis or something. Right. I don't know why you would think my body can't move. That's normal. Uh, right? It's Tuesday. <laughs> but it's Tuesday, so I guess what. So when she went in with the the niece thing, they told her, "Hey, no, your friend's dim. It's totally fucked, bro. You need to retire." Yeah. So she does, instead of, like, running clotheslines off the ropes, she does running headbutts. She does shoot headbutts instead of forearms. Everything is involved using her head. So let that be a lesson. You want a career past 28, don't do headbutts. So what makes me fear for, uh, for um, God, I'm on her, actress girls, I'm blanking on her name at the top of my head. Uh, the, the fucking... Takase? I can say, Jesus Christ, why couldn't I remember her name? Shame I'm on so you. tired, sorry. I'm, I'm, listen, I'm tired, okay? Yeah, Long she does day. shoot Long headbutts. Day. Oh, yeah, I'm, wor- I'm worried, too. I, I have a no business. A lot of shoot headbutts. Got no business with shoot headbutts in my life. I can do the worked headbutts, like Ito does, where it's a whole right. shtick and style. <laughs> Tam and Julia have done a few of them, but they look closer to work with the exception of, like, the big match ones, but they don't do them often, which is fine. Yeah, I, I just no don't matter what, I don't no do it all. I don't have to do it at all. But if you're gonna do it, don't do it often, because the more you do it, the worse it gets. But Takase worries me so much because it's such a big part of one of her power-up sequences, one of her move sequences. It's such a concerning thing, and I I really fear that her career is gonna be short as a result of it. Because it's always it's a pattern we see, right? Headbutts equals short careers. Oh yeah, every time, it never fails. But Ito's smart with it. She doesn't actually hit her head on you. She just hits her hand lightly. She doesn't even use the full force. She just right. she she is super smart with it. Like it looks fake. You could tell it's fake as shit, but that's not the point. So Toyota's working smart. Omato's working headbutt style. She looks great. She's a brick shit house, as I said. Kong is mobile. She's still fucking Aja fucking Kong. And now, unfortunately, we have to talk about Kaori Ito. She's bad. She is horrendous how old is she, in, she how was, old is she in 2010 i gotta look this up i thought she was bad modern day diana she, she is, is worse but she's worse now but boy she was bad even in 2010 that was 10 11 years ago at this point yeah almost. she is 38 at this point in time she is ten, minus 10 years she's in her 20s yeah she is at least 220 pounds minimum for her five foot three frame. That is She's way too much weight. That is way too much weight for someone who's five three. That's She's like 20... that's like the equivalent of me being like four thirty. 
She's 28 in this match. No, she's 38 in this match. She's 49 oh. now. I thought you said she was 38 now. Like she's no, fucking, no, no. She doesn't. She doesn't. She ate five 28 year olds. <laughs> yeah. So she gets gassed into the ring. She's got like bed sores on her arms and bruises. Uh, she's wearing like trash bag gear. She is a horrendous looking wrestler. She moves like a horrendous wrestler and she is in the main event being a horrendous wrestler. She's she is really, really bad. She is depressing bad. to see and makes it even more depressing while she's still wrestling to this day in Diana and people are still jobbing to her. Nobody should be jobbing to Kaur Ito. No, she should be jobbing to the fucking house, the retirement home. Like, she I don't mind that she can still, awful. like, do her part in the industry. She can be on the... Un she has no business being the main event, being this bad. She's no point being in the ring. Be a manager. Be a trainer. Be an advisor at this point in her... Like, in, in modern time, not this 2010. I mean, even 2010, you might should have just hung it up, right? She looks bad. Her hygiene looks awful, too. I can't imagine she smells what good wrestling her because she looks like no. she doesn't take care of herself. Can't be. And it sounds like we're being harsh. Watch this match. She, compared to everyone else on this card, you will question what she's doing. It's so sad to see. And that's what I feel. She does. She still does her Kaori Ito top rope foot stomp, and it is pure murder. There is she doesn't no... do it nowadays. <laughs> well, no, she she can't move. She moves she even, even she less. She kind of gets to the second rope. So in this match, she does her double foot stomp, and I've never seen something more brutal in my life with no regard for the person she's doing it to. None whatsoever. She, she not only lands, but oh, she yeah. also sits on them in the process. Oh, yeah. So normally you would see someone do a double foot stomp. They, got, they get like... They'd break their fall with their legs to take the pressure off, or they'll skim the stomach and then and then knees first like Azumi does in stardom, which just looks like you'll blow out your knees. But in those cases, you're looking out for the person you're doing it to. Ito. This is the finishing move, mind you. Ito. Double foot stomp from the top, crashes into the into Amano's midsection, and then Fucking falls full body weight, ass first, clearly just wrecks the air out of Amano. So much so that Ito bounces off her corpse. Because I could not, you could not convince me that this wasn't attempted murder. It was so bad. Amano eats the pin. It leads into a story, which I'll get into in a second. Ito is unacceptable. I can't, I can't look at this objectively. I can't. She is terrible, and it's awful. Get her out of she my wrestling is. ring. <laughs> the worst part is, is, again, like you said, she is still fucking working, and she's worse and more dangerous, I'd say, because I've seen her try to do a power slam on a rookie, and she just chucks him. She doesn't have any regard for anybody at this point in her life. I don't know why Kyoko in a way puts up with her in the ring. I just fucking cut her loose. Go somewhere. If you're not going to retire... Then go wrestle in like a nothing promotion that doesn't even have ten people in attendance. She, she's not only unacceptable at this point in 2010, but in 2021, I remember seeing her just toss Madeline. 
just chucked her. No regard for whether Madeline could take the bump properly. No regard for her safety. Nothing. And then the other rookie they had, like the 14-year-old, she just fucking lands on her. Full weight. No, 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 no worked about it. Just full fucking weight. Well, she she's so big, she can't control her weight. I, she, I think I hate her because she's so dangerous. Ah. Kay, do you hate old people again? Is that what you're on I about? I hate old people. <laughs> I, listen, in this case, look, the Nia's bullshit her. She can't go in politics. But this chick, it's because she's dangerous. She, I wouldn't be shocked if she's hurt people. No, she hurt Carlos Amato in this match. You can't tell me different. Oh, no, with that, like, fucking Amato had to, like, had to win. At least, at the very least, had the win knocked out of her pretty hard. I'd be like, shocked if she didn't break a rib. I'd be shocked, too. Yeah. Full so, ass weight, like, no regard for her opponent. Yeah, so enough about Ito. The match itself was, was really good because it was focused on uh, Toyota and Amato working from behind, two-on-one, and eventually, uh, the the giant powerhouses that were Ito and Kong would overcome. So both Amano and Toyota got plenty of time to do kind of the the hope comeback. Uh, Toyota more than Amano. Amano was more than willing to sell a lot more. Toyota well, it wasn't about that. And this is kind of a another old guard, uh, not not gonna eat the pin situation. Of course, Amano being the youngest one in the match uh, was uh, inevitably gonna be the one, which. I can't agree with because she's the open weight champion. However, however, it does play into a big long-term story that they're telling within the promotion. So it, as soon as they went into the post-match angle, I went, oh, okay, I understand why Amano ate the pin. They lost the tag titles. Now it's time for Aja Kong to cut a promo on Amano. And on behalf of pinning the champion, she is nominating her stablemate, Kaoru, because she wants to challenge for the title and was denied, she wants Kaoru to take her spot as rightful challenger for the title, and they have no choice to accept in the promotion. Good story. I like this. I liked it too. Uh, miss outside of Ito, damn near killing Amano. Um, as for Manami Toyota, I feel like I'm more willing to forgive her at this point, because she goes on to put over people i think she's she's like aja kong at this point right she's not putting people over unless she feels like she they're worthy of being put over by her because given her status right because she puts sukasa over she puts sakushi over she puts important people that she feels are necessary to be put over over well so i mean that's point, that's the job of a legend I, 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 right I get it. you use your legend status you protect it to a degree you don't bury people what you do is you protect it to a degree, and one, two, three, four times a year, you lose to somebody, and it feels like a big deal. Right. I mean, Raja Kong doesn't do it once or twice or three times a year, but she'll do it minimum once a year when somebody, it's warranted to. It's usually the big title match she's in at these, at these points, right? She'll put over who the champion is. Right. But then we did a very similar thing. Like I said, I can't be hard on her. I'm also a little biased, but I can't be hard on her because she does go on to put people over when it's time for her to be putting people over, and she's very selective with it, which is smart, given that she's widely considered the best women's wrestler of all time, even within the scene. And by her peers, she's considered the best of all time. So much so, in fact, and we'll kind of get to this when we get to the Monami Toyota uh, retirement show, they 
brought back. They, out of it, they unsealed for one time only, but it doesn't count against the records. The three AW or three WA title hmm. that she could win it and be the last person to hold it at the end. It doesn't count towards the record. They've made it very clear, but they unsealed it for one time only. That's how sheer how celebrated she's amongst her peers. So for her to put people over, it's it's like a big fucking deal. So of course she's going to be selective with it. And she right. does. She puts it over Sukasa and gives her finisher to her. I'm okay with this, in other words. This was a very good show. I highly recommend it. Once again, it is Oz Academy Dream Girls from June 13th, 2010 at Shinjuku Face. This was a good show. There were good stories told. We had a lot of uh, a lot of takes and and uh, and perspectives on what was happening, what was going on during the scene. Because a lot of these, uh, Oz Academy's really doing their own thing comparatively, and yet you still have Hiroyo coming in, Ran Yuyu, uh, Ayumi Korihara, Yumi Oka, uh, a couple rookies here. There's still some hope in this promotion uh, for the future with utilizing the veterans for major storylines. And a big, a big uh, Carlos Amano being in her 20s, I believe. Late 20s? Uh, I don't know if her late 20s at this point. Let me see. Here. She debuted in 95. So I know, I know. But remember, they uh, the they tooth. debut very early. Um, right, but she debuted in JWP. 33. I don't know if they did that. 33. She's 33. So she she's around okay. the Yumi Oka age. So that is a that is right. that is prime. That is in your prime, and, and she is over. So not bad. Not bad. All right, well, the thing with Oz Academy, like you said, they beat to their own drums. So to sort of apply the modern or even pr just promotion logic period, like the, putting young stars up, that's not Oz Academy style. And granted, it does hurt them because that's their style. It hurts them nowadays. But I don't ever get frustrated because Ozaki doesn't put people over, but I don't get as frustrated as I do with Nanai because what her, she does stays in her promotion. It doesn't it rarely, if ever, goes outside. Her promotion that that's that's the big issue what we see with kurihara in her I, i'm going to be using her as a great example probably yumi oka in time maybe a couple other names as they come along uh kurihara is clearly a big name in the joshi scene in 2010 and she is gaining a lot of momentum in her career she just needs that main event op to take it, take advantage of her popularity and future stardom. Whom is going to be that promotion to do it? Still waiting to see who is it going to be. Will it be right, anybody? Well, I think, <laughs> think Kuyohara is the better barometer for that than Oka. Because again, at this point, Oka is still kind of the booker slash financial person. No, I, 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 under, I understand that. I understand that. I understand that. Then in Wave's case with Oka, it is their responsibility to make her a massive star. But in her case, because she's so in line with management, that's a Jushin Thunder Liger case. And this is a comparison I love making today. If you're at the top, it is your job to create your rivals. That was Liger's 101, right? You can only be right. at the top for so long without rivals. The only way you can remain at the top is with rivals. 
So Oka, oh, I mean, so Oka is wave, right? With the mighty Gammy. <laughs> the, 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 the mighty Gammy. So if Oka is going to remain relevant at the top, she needs contenders. And the former finalist in wave, Kurihara, is that person. We know the mighty Gammy isn't long for the mighty wave, much mighty longer. <laughs> no. Much mighty longer. I like to always use the word mighty there. Well, I mean, uh, that Listen, is her nickname, is it I mean, not? <laughs> I- I'll say this without trying to go too far ahead in terms of what happens potentially, right? Or not potentially, right? But look at the so- look at the scene. Look at the state of the scene. Do you honestly believe they're going to build a new star to face Oka? Well, we'll find out. Like where they blunder along the way, where they succeed, and in Oz Academy. We're going to see how the Kaoru story plays out. We're going to see how Aja Kong plays out over her career. Uh, obviously, we we have more of a barometer on her since she's still wrestling to this day. Uh, Tires this year. <laughs> well, well, Kaoru, yes. She she is indeed retiring in 2021. And we'll see where Ozaki goes in her uh, quest up the card in booking and whom she gravitates towards pushing and what what she does. Uh, do we see rookies debut or possibly, you know, less than two year uh, debutees come to her promotion more? Maybe they show up less. These are interesting questions I'm asking to myself what these promotions could have done to grow rather than just stagnate in their ways uh, because they don't have big financial backers. As Ice right. Ribbon has shown us already on this journey, they don't need financial backers in the ambition to grow. Well, they, they do, at this point, have a financial backer. They're, at this point, no, in 2010, they're owned. financial backer. Oh, rich, rich. Okay, that makes more sense. You like a Bushy Road. They do, they do have a financial backer. You, you get what I'm saying? Is that they're they're yeah, not yeah, a yeah, Bushy yeah. Road, a cyber agent kind of company. Like, right, right. Well, I'll, uh, I'll dash one of those things for you. There's going to be no new rookies debuting on Academy. Well, that's the question to further ask in time. <laughs> Right, right, but you know, there, there could be none. If they haven't had a rookie debut ever in that company, well, it's like it's so well, just... it's like seedling, right? No, <laughs> not even remotely close. You get what not I'm saying, remotely. though. You get what I'm saying. I, I I get what you're trying to say, but I feel like we should probably just go ahead and remove that one from the table because they've never ever had a rookie debut at Oz Academy in this entire history. Which is interesting because Ozaki has trained people. She has, she has, but they've never been considered trainees of Oz Academy or rookies of Oz Academy. They've always just been trainees and either they either go freelance or they're assigned to another company. A best example, modern example, is someone like Maya, signed with Ice Ribbon, but was not trained in the Ice Ribbon Dojo. It was trained by a few other people. There you go. A two, three, five, and uh, forget the other person, but she was trained by different people. So got, she had her training. I guarantee she got further training up. in Ice Ribbon, obviously. <laughs> I mean, there's a good possibility that you have daily training sessions there all the time. So it's, it's not a good possibility. Yeah, so... <laughs> it's, a, it's a good possibility, but her initial training was not done in Ice Rip. So that's sort of the Ozaki case, but they've never, ever debuted rookies under the Oz Academy banner. So that one's not even a question to, to ask because it's never been something they've ever done in their history, past or present, or at any point. Well, I definitely like the look and different feel that we saw with Oz Academy today. I'm looking forward to covering more shows in the future. You guarantee we've already got some DVDs uh, from Oz Academy in the future. I'm looking forward to it, Kay. It's definitely going to be interesting compared to the others. 
All right, now we got to check Sendai off that list. You ready for that? Sendai is going to be tough. Sendai is going to be tough. Yeah, listen, listen, I'm going to give you a bit of a spoiler. It hasn't changed. I'm <laughs> unfortunately aware of what uh, what Sendai is. I, th I mm, We'll have to discuss that off air. So please, <laughs> right. everybody, please register to the Red Leaf Retrocast Patreon edition. Uh, $1.50 tier for these episodes two weeks early. If you're listening on Big Egg Joshi, if you're already listening on the Patreon, you are the best people ever. Awesome, of all time. And uh, hey, if you want more, how about you pump to that $5 tier and hear me talk about JD Star, a very enigmatic promotion, if I do say so myself. And uh, JD over here covering the Starcades. I am going through the 80s currently, about to get into the 90s of the Jim Hurt era. It is exceedingly interesting booking decisions and stories untelling, untelling, <laughs> being told. <laughs> I guess untelling is also another way to put it. <laughs> right. Two tequilas in, apparently. We'll, uh, we'll get your words all mixed up. <laughs> oh, that despair? I am feeling some despair. I just watched the Scaffold match, 1986. That's a trip. Go check that $5 tier. Again, I have decided I'm going to go through with the LLPW journey after the Starcades are complete up until 1997. That is the last one I'll be doing since we're doing post-97 on the Red Leaf Retrocast flagship show to steal a phrase flagship. from another podcast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that. I love that. The flagship show. We got to come up with it. We got to come up with our own fire. phrase. Own phrase, own word. Yeah. We definitely do. All right, guys. That does it for us. Let's see what uh, what our next episode... I think we're doing freelance episodes next, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, so produce shows. Uh, oops, that isn't right. I click oh, oh, we're it. not doing produce shows? Uh, here we go. Um, We have... A couple wave matches. We right. have a Neo tag title match. And, and a Kana Produce show match. Ooh, the Kana Produce one's what I'm more excited about. Those are always a whole lot of fun. Yeah, so we so we got we we are we're gonna call that uh freelancing around around the uh around the scene. Freelancing around the scene. See if I remember that, though. Friends, it? I mean, listen, I'll try to remind you unless I forget to. Freelancing. I'm going to write it down right now. Freelancing around the scene. There we go. It's in. That Good is work. the next episode. We'll see you next time. See you guys.